Welcome to another episode of Rockstar Violinist, the podcast from Electric Violin Shop that brings you the coolest violinists alive. I'm your host, Matt Bell. We've interviewed a number of players from around the world so far, but all of them currently live in the U.S. or Mexico. Bar Markovich is our first interviewee who lives outside of North America. I happened to catch him when he was on a short trip to the U.S. to play some of his original music. He made a special trip to get to Electric Violin Shop in Durham, North Carolina, and we were fortunate enough to get to share the stage a couple nights. This episode is sponsored by Wood Violins, makers of the Mighty Viper, which Barr and I both play. Barr's stunning white Viper has been seen well over a million times now on his crazy violin adventure video, which went viral partly because of how cool it looks and sounds in his really unique GoPro video. Barr is an incredibly versatile player who is equally at home playing classical, jazz, folk, and rock music. Right now, you're listening to his original tune called Gap, Mind the Space. Let's enjoy a few more moments and then get on to my chat with Barr Markovich, rock star violinist. All right, so we're sitting in my kitchen at my house in Cary, North Carolina, which is awesome because... You don't live anywhere near Cary, North Carolina. That's true, and it's a big pleasure, I must say. Yeah, we're uh, actually we're sitting here tipping back a couple of beers right now. Yeah. We uh, we just got back from a show with my band, and, and Bar came and sat in with us, and uh, just killed it, man. I, I think you've probably heard what maybe a third of those songs in your life, if even that. Yeah, less. I think three of them. <laughs> <laughs> and just flat crushed it, man. It's great plan. It was a lot of fun, Thank and uh, maybe we'll do it again tomorrow. Yeah, I really hope so. Looking um, forward. So, the reason you're in the U.S. right now, hanging mm-hmm. out, is because you had a couple of shows, right? Yes, indeed. I came to perform for a big foundation um, that they invited me to play for them, and I was fortunate enough to play one of my original tracks as well in both of the performances because they really liked it. So. Big pleasure to be here, to play here, and big pleasure to be here in this kitchen right now having this interview. So, thank you so much. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, so, he played. you played a show in New York, yes. and then a show in Atlanta. In Atlanta, yes. And then caught like this ridiculous bus ride yep. up, up to, to Raleigh, North Carolina, so he could come hang out at the Electric Violin Shop. Yes. Uh, a whole day Wednesday, we did a live stream. If you guys haven't seen the live stream that Barr did... Um, let's see, when is this? This is May May 16th, uh, 2018, is when he did this live stream for us. So if you can go to our Facebook page and check that out, just crushed it, man. He was playing a bunch of different violins that he never picked up before, and, and we had a really good time. And then tomorrow, we're going to go back to the shop and mess with some more stuff, maybe some MIDI or, or whatever. MIDI, I want to try this double neck violin for sure. I want oh, yeah. To play on it. Um, yeah, some other models as well. Yeah, yeah so we'll play again tomorrow. Yeah. So 
speaking of this original tune that you got to play, mm -hmm. um, maybe talk about what that tune is and the, the concept behind the whole... I guess this is going to be a series of things that you're doing. Yes, it is. Um, it's a concept called Crazy Violin Adventure. Um, the idea is that I mount a GoPro camera on my electric violin. I choose a place to go to. Now, what I do is I look at pictures and videos from this place, of this place. I look at pictures and videos of this place. Um, then I go and look out for some music, local music, and some musical aspects from the local music of this place. Uh, I get everything processed in my mind, in my soul as well, and I write an original composition based on all of these things that I processed. Now, what I do next is... After I finish the music, I go to this place, I travel in this place, and while I do the journey by foot, of course, with electric violin on me, I shoot a video clip. So basically, you get to see all the views I see while I'm traveling, and you get to see my hands playing the music that I wrote for it. So it's a whole musical journey with me and my violin. You get to see the views, you get to hear the music, and you get to enjoy the experience while I'm experiencing it myself. So it's like I'm taking you with me on a crazy violin adventure. Yep, there you go. So the tune that you've got out right now, in fact, we're recording this in, in May, if you guys hadn't picked up on that. Um, but we're going to release this later. I want to release this after maybe another one of your videos is out. Um, but the video that's out now was written about what place and shot in what place? It was written about um, two places in England. One of them is a place in Wales called Break on Beacon. The other one is called Beachy Head, which is in South England. And uh, the views are incredible. You won't believe it's in England. <laughs> um, a lot of green stuff, a lot of clear blue water, just lovely, nice white cliffs. Good vibes. Yeah, so um, we're actually going to get a little, we're going to dig deep into this and let you talk about what the writing process was for this, what the shooting process was, maybe tell some stories about how you got out there and found a bunch of fog and and uh, and we'll sort of, we'll get deep into how this track was written, what it's about, and then we'll listen to it as a, we'll listen to it in, it, in its entirety. It all started when I saw a friend of mine. Uh, with his electric guitar having a tiny GoPro camera mounted on his guitar. And I thought, oh, maybe I should get one for myself so I can shoot some gigs. And then it will look cool, it will help me maybe uh, on some social media videos. But then, once I got a camera, it's like I had this vision suddenly, like inspiration. Huge thing. I could see... Literally, I could see the first frame from the actual video clip. I made the first one. I could see it. I could see my hands on the violin and this crazy view above the cliff with the sun rising, with some clouds, with vast green. I just could see it in my imagination and I just realized I have to do a video clip like that. I have to take the GoPro and the violin and combine them together because you know GoPro is all about extreme sports, uh, skydiving, surfing, skiing, some motorsports, everything is about extreme and views. So I thought okay let's take the violin on an extreme way 
and bring it together with the GoPro and the views and the nature. And then I decided, okay, let's do a crazy violin adventure and shoot it and make like cool stuff going on in the violin uh, and make it look like it's all flowing in, in a really cool way in a video uh, to give the people this kind of feeling that they are part of a musical journey that, that, is, that it feels alive. Um, so then I had a couple of days, I was in college back then, my third year, I had like two or three days to write down the music. Um, this particular track was inspired by a drum and bass uh, song I've heard before, so I, I came up with, with, with my own ideas and I put down together some, some piano um, melodies and, and some other, other beats, drum and bass beats of course, and some other aspects and sounds. I've done this in like two or three days and then I went to shoot the video clip in Wales. That was the first time. Um, I remember it actually the night I went to shoot, the night I went to shoot, I remember it actually um, the night we drove to Wales. I was still in college finishing up the music and um, I rapidly finished everything and I just packed everything, went to my flat, took the stuff went into the car, my friend's car, and we drove all the way to Wales. Uh, we arrived there, went to sleep in an Airbnb that we got. Next day, I went scouting with him to find cool locations. We went to this place, Brecon Beacon, um, which has really nice mountains. Maybe hills? No, mountains, or you can say mountains. <laughs> um, it was just foggy and rainy, and I just had to scout, so I took all all my gear on me, everything, a whole backpack with equipment, a tripod and my violin, which back then was in the big hard case, the old Viper mm. hard Oh case. yeah, those so things are huge. An extra, yeah, extra yeah. thing on my back. I went up to the mountain, it was almost 900 meters high, it took me like an hour to climb it. I couldn't see anything, I couldn't see anything, I just knew that I'm on top of something. Um, I saw the area as much as I could, <laughs> and I went back down. Um, fortunately, the day after was lovely, especially in the morning. I, I don't, I don't think I, I slept much, maybe three hours, something like that, because I was so excited to to go and shoot it. Um, we woke up at like four something in the morning at five thirty a.m. I started climbing up just myself with all the gear on me, tired but happy, listening to, to the music all the way up <laughs> to get me into the mood. Then I arrived at the top of the peak, it was beautiful, it was be the sun just, just came out um, in between some clouds and it was just perfect, so I just immediately took out my violin, put mounted the camera, I immediately took out the violin and mounted the camera on it and um, I started shooting, it was bloody cool. Oh my god, I mean, I, I was shaking and my fingers <laughs> hurt, but it was so satisfying to stand there in front of this vast beauty. And uh, it was pretty high, like 872 meters high with a steep drop. So, and I was standing pretty close to the, to the edge, not so close because I had fear of heights. <laughs> 
Um, I was going to ask you about that because there's a lot of I've seen some still shots where maybe some people have gone with you, and you're standing in some like I'm a, I'm a little afraid of heights too, and you're you're standing in some places that are making me nervous just looking at the pictures. Oh yeah, um, yeah. There, there've been some places like in Norway on crazy cliffs, with again steep drops. Um, I was fortunate enough to find some uh, travel buddies like on my way while I was uh, trekking and traveling. So I get, just gave my phone to someone to take a picture from a bit far away, so people can see the whole backdrop of of the scenario of the place. Um, yeah, man, it's it's crazy. It's crazy for me. I I could never believe that I would have. Uh, For me, it's crazy because I, I couldn't, I could have never believed that I would end up playing on such high places, such crazy places. Because I have fear of heights, and it's pretty strong. When I arrived at some cliffs, I had to, you know, take ten minutes to relax, just to relax, because my mouth became dry and I started shaking. <laughs> and it's it, it's part it's part of the deal, you know. It's uh, I know myself. I have fear of heights. I accept it. Um, yeah, I'm afraid of heights, yes. And getting to stand close to the edge, it's so frightening. But then you need to play your tune. <laughs> right. You need to focus. And then there is something else going on. You start to relax. It's like you're in a different place. It's almost as if you are in a different dimension. And you don't have this fear. It's like you become another person. And I've experienced it a couple of times, and that's just like magic, you know. Mm. Because until I was thirteen, I was afraid to to climb on my grandfather's house, which is just one floor. It's a ground house, just one floor. <laughs> and and look at me suddenly standing close to the edge of a six hundred meter steep drop cliff in Norway, full of snow around. Or on another one, 700 meters above a huge lake. That, and, and the cliff itself is like a rock formation that looks like a tongue. Mm. So people would have thought like, oh my god, it, it might just break down at any minute. And it could probably, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's probably been there a while. Yeah. It may not break today. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows, you know, there is always the first time. Um, it's just experience. I remember while I was shooting in Croatia, I went to stand at a very edgy place. It wasn't. It wasn't actually too high. It was like a hundred meters high, something mm-hmm. like that, above um, above the river. And again, I was just playing, and I didn't feel anything. And at some point, it just came to my mind this realization that I was standing very close to the edge. And then I started to, to actually think about it and, and, and be afraid. And then I had to stop and take a few steps back. That's interesting. But before that, I was just focusing on the music. I just didn't feel anything. So I guess you've got the music playing into your earphones or something so you can sync it up. Yeah. What, what I started doing... Um, after the first video, after I showed the first, because in the first video I was using my headphones, um, but then I just 
started using my phone because you can hear it much better in the camera. Mm, then okay. it's easier to easier sync. Easier to sync. Yeah. Okay. And it's easier for me to hear what's going on, both on the track and and what I do on the valley. Okay. Yeah, so that makes sense. It's much easier. Yeah. And um, it, it's just a cool thing. It's a cool concept in my idea, <laughs> and I love it. I hope to do more of this. Um, videos and I am doing more of these videos I have plans I'm going to a really crazy place in June um, yeah we won't we won't drop yeah, any we I'm, won't drop any hints yeah I won't say anything right now because I'm gonna drop some some cool teasers after I'm gonna finish there um, yeah it's 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 something I see myself doing for uh, I don't know for, for the near future definitely I want to make an album about it. Yeah, I was just saying, I mean, an album could be anywhere between 10 and, you know, 15 or 20 tunes, yeah. which in your case would be 10 or 15, 20 different places. Exactly. And it's beautiful. You get to travel. You get to see beautiful places, especially nature. I like nature. I'm a nature kind of guy. Um, you get to see different cultures, different scenarios, different views. You get to play your own music, which I love. And I get to write original music about different places and in different genres. Yeah. Because I always liked playing different genres of music. I, I never saw myself as a type of guy who will play only classical music or only rock music or only jazz music. No, I like doing all of them. All of it. I mean, it's a beautiful world. There are so many beautiful options. There's so much to do, to, to experience, to explore, to enjoy. I want to, to have all of it, you know. It's it's just beautiful. Why not to have everything if you can? Well, in today's like multimedia world, everything is is video and music, right? So every every new piece of music, I mean, people are shooting videos for everything, and and you've got the unique concept of of the video and the music are both put together for the same place and by the same person. It's this whole cohesive vision that's. Really cool. Exactly. It's uh, it's not just a video clip that I'm shooting after I made a music like track, um, and then you come up with like a director and a storyline or something, and you just shoot a video clip. No, everything connects. Everything is inspired by by each other. So the music should fit the scenarios and should be written about the scenarios. It's like almost film scoring. But before you actually see the footage, sure, um, and it's, it's it's tricky. It's cool. I like it. Um, so I need to work with visions and some references, and then I get inspired and I process everything in my mind, um, and everything connects. So it's not just that I write music. I make the videos. They connect to it because it's a part of a journey. It must be all come all together. Um, so yeah, it involves a lot of cool things that I really like. And I think it's something I could do for a while. Well, the thing is, as a as a songwriter, it's it is a cohesive vision, right? The the video and the music go together, but the music is good. I mean, you won you won our original violin challenge contest at the electric violin shop with just the music standing on its own two feet with no video involved, right? I mean, the video that you submitted was just a video of you playing the, the tune, so. The tune stands on its own, but I think when you pair it with the video, it just sort of takes it to a whole nother level. Yeah, that's true. That's that's the idea, basically. I mean, 
I don't want to write very, I don't know, basic music um, that must have a video to enhance it. No, the music should be enjoyable and nice and, and cool and fun to play. The, I think that the main idea for me as a player is not to have it much challenging, but more fun and nice to play for myself. Because I want to enjoy it. Sure. I want to have fun when I play it. I want I want to feel like I have a soundtrack of a journey that I would remember for the rest of my life. Uh, of course, I had some challenging aspects of violinistic uh, techniques and things, but that's not the main issue. Of course, I want to keep high level and show great abilities and stuff like that. But it is also very important for me to keep things simple so people can enjoy it, actually. And, and so it can be a whole... A whole thing as 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 a one piece of creation that involves many aspects uh, and good aspects and, and good level and yeah and quality quality. So, well, so yeah, so as the tune does stand on its own, let's just go ahead and listen to the tune that you did in Wales, um, in Southern England, right now. Okay, sure. And now we will enjoy Crazy Violin Adventure, England and Wales, in its entirety.
So I call all of them called Crazy Violin Adventure, but then there comes the the name of the place. So that was Crazy Violin Adventure, Beachy Head, and Wales, or okay. Wales and Beachy Head. Well, there you go. Um, now you released that video, and immediately like GoPro picked it up, and like you were saying, you know, my son's an extreme athlete. He's a BMX rider, so we're used to seeing a lot of GoPro videos with BMX guys and snowboarders and skydivers. I'm sure you're the first violinist that they've, they've featured, but they put it on their page and, and it got like, what, 600,000 views in a couple of days? That was, yeah, that was pretty, pretty crazy. Um, actually, it took like around three months for them to acknowledge it um, and, 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 and actually give the credit and everything because it just takes time with these things. Sure. But uh, yeah, they put, they've shared it. Yeah, they've shared it on all of their social media pages everywhere. Uh, on Instagram, it got yes, more than six hundred thousand views and more than one hundred fifteen thousand likes. That that's massive. That's, that's an insane engagement rate. And people started sending me messages that they want to buy the music, they want to get the sheet music. Um, when I release more videos and, and stuff like that, and uh, also on YouTube it went quite quite well on my channel. And back then I didn't have many followers. I don't think I still have. Um, well, we gotta add some more followers right now. After he's done with his interview, um, what is your YouTube channel so people can go follow it? My YouTube channel is just B A R in capital letters. Oh, there you go. That should be easy. Yeah, it is. So when you're done here, don't don't duck out on us now unless you're on another device. But go, uh, yeah, go follow him on on YouTube. And then while we're here, we might as well do Instagram and all the other stuff. What what? How do we find you on social media? Uh, on Facebook, you just write again bar in capital letters B A R and then uh, slash violinist. That's how you find me on Facebook. On Instagram, it's easy. It's at violin. Um, Underscore it? underscore bar. So on Instagram, it's at violin underscore bar. Um, that that's it pretty much. I do have my own website that links to all of my social media, including Twitter as well. Um, I'm the same uh, on Twitter at violin underscore bar, and my website is www.barmarkovic.com. You can Google me; you will find everything. It's it's pretty easy. So we were actually driving. We played at the at the beach. We're at the, we're at the Atlantic Ocean tonight. And we're back in Raleigh already now. It's like three hours down there and three hours back for this show. That's just like the life of a touring musician. But um, on the way back, we were listening to a bunch of really incredible music from a lot of great people. And not going to name any names, but one of the things that you said to me on the way back that that really made a lot of sense was you were talking about how. There are some just ripping players out there, but there's there's sort of this magical combination, right? That's that's it's musicality and it's um, technical prowess, and you know there's there's all these elements that have to come together to make something go from good to great, right? So talk about like what is the bar? What's the goal for you as you're as you're trying to write? outstanding music. All right, so, um, yeah, definitely there are some 
really sick players out there, like amazing guys, um, that is so satisfying to find, um, because it's hard to find like really amazing non-classical violinists, for example, in our case. Um, and, and then in general, yes, as, as there are many other players, like guitar players, sax players, keyboard players, many amazing people that, that, that can rip off the, the instrument. But there is something that is a bit more important than that, is the ability to come up with melodic lines that actually talk to you, or sing to you, <laughs> melodically, yes. And it's so important, it's like magic, it's, it's language, basically. When someone is coming up with this beautiful melody, that, that just resonates in your in your head and then in your heart. That's where magic happens. That's the real thing. In my opinion, that is a bit more important than just ripping on the instrument. Of course, and my and my uh, aspiration is uh, to be able to do both. Yes. But it is very important to be able to come up with these melodic lines that define something different than the others. Because many players can play amazingly. Yes, many players. Especially if you take the classical field, for instance. There are so many incredible players there. And so many of them, in masses. But what happens? Because they all play the same. They all play amazing. So you need this something that is, doesn't have to be amazing, but it needs to talk to you in a different way. Um, so of course, classical music is written music, so it's not the case here. We're talking about original music, writing music. So when someone is writing music, in my opinion, it would it should be more important to make it speak melodically than ripping off some 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 arpeggios or you know riffs or whatever uh, yeah that's about it now all that coming from a guy who is a nasty player I mean you I, you guys have got to look up some of our stuff and, and we're gonna have a bunch of his music sort of mixed in here as, as we're listening bark and rip you know, he, he can tear on it with, with the best of them. And it's not just, and you were talking about different styles of music. Um, and I guess we might as well get into it now. You just graduated from where? From the Royal College of Music in London. And, and I guess you guys can hear his accent. This is not like your typical British accent. You're originally not from England. No, I'm from Israel, actually. And now I'm turning to the Israeli accent. <laughs> Immediately. <laughs> That's right, my southern accent's coming out. Here we have Barr playing Ravel's Sigan. Just a little taste of how accomplished he is in the world of classical music. While we're here, let's thank our sponsor, Wood Violins, and talk a little bit about them. Wood Violins is the manufacturer of the most highly sought high-end electric violin, the Viper. The world's only self-supporting violin, it allows for unparalleled freedom on stage or on the side of a cliff in Barr's case. If you sing and play at the same time like I do, there's no better solution. Do you want a four string? A five string? How about six or seven? Vipers are available in all of those configurations. 
Do you play on a crazy loud stage and want the security of frets without giving up the expressiveness of a fretless instrument? Wood violins frets are the only ones shaved down to the perfect height. You can feel them under your fingers, but they don't cost you the nuances you can achieve with a fretless instrument. Do you have shoulder, back, or neck issues? The patented support system is a wonderful solution to those. I can't tell you how many players I've talked to who had basically given up on the violin until they got a Viper, and now their careers are off and running again. There simply is no comparable instrument. For information, check out woodviolins.com. So, I guess while we're here, let's talk about your journey. Where did it start? Uh, you come from a musical family. When did you start playing? Oof, that goes well back to when I was four, I believe. Um, I had this babysitter, and she told my mom that she prefers that instead of me sitting in the house doing nothing, she will take me to this kind of kids' plaything for of afternoon. And um, there, there was a teacher, and she taught, she taught, there, there was a teacher, and she taught us some very basic stuff about music, classical music mostly, and um, she sort of found out that I had perfect pitch. And she told that to my parents, and she told them that I should play the violin because it's kind of, it, it fits. It's helpful when you play violin. Yeah. So my parents were so naive. They were saying like, okay, if not karate, then let's do the violin. I was sent to this afternoon kindergarten, musical kindergarten, and where I learned to play the xylophone. <laughs> I swear to you, I didn't know nothing of what I was doing there. It's like if I had no brain. I didn't know how to play it. I didn't know how to, to read the notes. I didn't know anything. It took me a while just to learn to, to, to draw the, the treble clef. <laughs> um, somehow, by the time I picked up the instrument and I could, I could actually play it, and just by heart, without even looking at the notes. I could just listen to the stuff and just play it. And that caught the attention of the teacher there. And when, when the guys from the local conservatoire came to show us some instruments, I was thinking actually about piano. <laughs> I don't know why. And again, that the teacher of the place, she told my parents that I should study the violin because I have perfect pitch. So then I found myself studying the violin, taking violin lessons, and I was so naive. I was just doing what I was told, without even thinking, and it was quite, quite slow at the beginning. My teacher told my parents that it's not going to be a, a great thing coming out of me, <laughs> and uh, I think by the first, by the end of the first year, I already played reading concerto, and I was six. Um, Back then, I was thinking sometimes about how is it going to be if I leave the instrument, if I stop playing the instrument, if I leave the violin. Back then, I, I felt like, oh, the violin is going to be so um, sad if I will leave it. <laughs> it's going to get insulted. 
So. Oh, that the violin was going to be yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was a kid, you know. Sure. <laughs> so I didn't want to live it. And very quickly, I started falling in love, like, deeply. And I started already imagining how's it going to be to live like a musician, as a musician. And I was exposed to Irish music at a very early stage. Very early stage. I remember the Eurovision of 94 in Dublin, where there was this river dance um, show that they were giving in the intermission. I remember that going live on the television and I was hypnotized by it. It was amazing. The music, the dancing. And when I was six years old, my mom brought me this cassette of Lord of the Dance to mm. see the show. And I saw the show. The music was incredible. The dancing was flawless. And there were these two violinists there playing Irish music. And I just fell in love. I was like, wow, that's, that's a whole new world for me. And I was six, of course. Of course, it was a whole new world for me. Yeah. So, so that was one of the stages when I realized that I will do more kinds of music in my life, not just classical music that I started with, of course. And I've been trained in classical music for like 20 years, let's say. Yeah, 20 years. Until I graduated from the Royal College of Music. So I'm... I'm sort of a professional classical player. That I, I grew up like that. But, uh, yeah, I had this Irish music side inside me. And when I was 14, something like that, I discovered rock music. Mm. It started with punk rock. Then it moved to... I think it straight away moved to, like, progressive metal. <laughs> to dream theater and then some solo guitar players like Joe Satriani, he was the first... Then Steve I, then Joe Petrucci, then Paul Gilbert, Andy Timmons, uh, Inve Malmsteen, and uh, who else? These one? are all the same guys I listen to. Yeah, yeah it's Greg Howe, yep. um, Eric Johnson, Guthrie Govan. Guthrie Govan, there's so many of them, so many. Um, Steve Morse. Mm, one of my favorites. Yeah, yeah, some really cool guys, some really, really, really cool guys. And that was for me, it was a whole new world of melodies, harmonies, and it was nice, you know, it was so nice, it was so free, so like, out of any boundaries, you know, in classical music you have rules and everything, and you have to follow them, and I was following them, I was doing everything, even if I didn't like it, I was doing everything. Well, your classical playing is outstanding, and, and we're probably going to mix in some of your classical playing in here, you know, we've got some recordings of you playing some classical stuff, and it's just, it's flawless. I mean, you're, you're a fantastic classical player. Here's a snippet of Barr playing the well-known Bach Partita number three.
can totally hear when you talk about those players, um, Steve Morrison and Eric Johnson. I can totally hear those guys when you're playing because it's the same guys I listen to. And, and I'll hear stuff that you do, and I go, yeah, man, we, we definitely have the same muse in a lot of ways. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I am inspired by these guys, so you probably will hear some of their inspirations in, in my playing. Definitely. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I even add some Irish stuff into my playing many times. Um, not that much, but I am inspired by that. Um, yeah, what can I say? It's, 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 part of the, it's part of the deal. You hear stuff and you process it. Uh, that's how it works. That's how it works. Um, with, with many other players as well, you know, many jazz players, what they, what they do is they take a great instrumentalist of a different instrument and they try to transcribe what they're doing to do their solos and then they get inspired by them. And yeah, I mean, I, I really like Bill Evans. Mm. And I found out that many times when I improvise jazz stuff, I bring a bit of his kind of melodic language into into my yeah into my playing, and or for instance in bebop, um, Bud Powell that I really like. Another good choice. Yeah, that, that I run some some chromatics, and then I stop, and then I bring back some stuff. Uh, pretty much, I think I'm also inspired by him. So it's it's just it's a whole it's a nice thing. It's like it's. I don't know how to describe it because it's like you, you hear stuff and you process it and you make something new out of it because I'm playing a violin because I'm playing a violin and um, it's not like a trumpet it's not like a guitar it's not like a piano and I like to imitate other instrument sounds into my violin with my violin uh, that, that's a cool thing you know it's a, it's a nice process it's a nice it's a nice way to get 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 away out of the traditional stuff out of the the conventional stuff to come up with new ideas that's what I like new horizons discoveries yeah I mean that's that's the beauty of music it, and it's funny to think about the fact that we're working with the same 12 notes that people have been working with for hundreds and hundreds of years and just so many incredibly talented people for, for hundreds of years have, have been attacking these same 12 notes and it still blows my mind that it's possible to create something that's different and new and fresh and hasn't been heard before. Yeah, that's true. And even if it has been heard before, there is this uh, aspect of voice, you know, because someone, especially in classical music, because people play... <laughs> it, 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 there is an, a very interesting aspect of it because for example in classical music people play the same pieces over and over again I mean people play the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto a million times before and people are going to play the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto a billion times after but there is this um, aspect of voice that you make it your own that's a difficult thing it's not easy for sure like Hilary Hahn sounds different than Rachel Barton Pine who sounds different from Maxime Van Groff sounds different from Bar Markovich yeah that's true and uh, in this particular field it's harder to to be more original because it's the same notes that you play 
it's not that you suddenly play other notes on the Mendelssohn violin concerto. If someone would do that, that would be interesting for me, actually. They get shot. Maybe, maybe. (laughs) Not by me, not by me. (laughs) I I I would have praised them, maybe. Um, But there is kind of movement, a recent movement of certain people that they're writing their own cadenzas, which is very, 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 like, lovely and welcome in my opinion. That well, that's how it was originally done, right? Wasn't exactly. the original intent to be essentially your own voice and maybe even an improv? Yeah. And then we got away from that for a long time and maybe we're coming back. You know, actually, when Mozart performed his piano concertos, he always played them differently. Every time. It was different. Every single time. If you, if you would bring Mozart to our days, he would have probably shot himself then <laughs> because people play the same notes over and over again of course yes with different sound each one has its own like personality with phrasing and stuff like that and dynamics but let's face it it's the same notes it's like reproducing in my opinion sure and it's funny I, I, I come from this field but I just find extra satisfaction with creating my own music it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be challenging. I can play challenging stuff. I can challenge myself. But it's not the idea. The idea is to come up with things that can speak speak to you and speak to others. Well, that's such a Zappa thing, right? I mean, what was the Zappa interview where he talked about that, that every night the Zappa concert was a completely different experience? And, and he just, you know, he felt like all the people in the room their energy contributed to that and there wasn't any way you could reproduce it so why would you try it was sort of an insult to the people that were in the room tonight to try to reproduce that tomorrow tomorrow should be its own creation exactly and I totally agree with that I totally believe in that I think that's these are words of gold that's how music should be that's how music should be not a hundred percent not a thousand percent a million percent it's, it's all about now, the experience of what's going on now. You are not just playing, you're interacting. People don't understand that. And with original music, you can interact with the crowd because you can do whatever you want. There are no rules of someone will tell you like, <gasps> what he was doing. No, I can do whatever I want. I can stop right here, right now and involve the crowd. And that's fun, you know, they become part of the music part of the experience they get to, to, to experience what I experience musically and they get to, to, to be part of it that, that, that's lovely and I get to be part of them and I think that's how things should be I mean, we're not giving you guys any songwriting credit but you know your, your being in the room does make each experience different yeah, um, exactly. and I feel like you know that's the band that I've been touring with is I've been with for 10 years and it's sometimes, you know, you, some songs we hit pretty much every night. I've played these songs, some of these songs over a thousand times, but every time is a little different because the room is different and the people in the room are different and the energy in the room is different and there's just different stuff going on in the chemistry of what's happening on stage and, you know, people go, oh my God, how can you play that tune a thousand times? Well, it's different every time. Yeah. Even what we did today, it was different. Because we were two violin players there. So we could share some solos. That was really cool. It was like a yeah. conversational stage. 
and all these interactions between all the players when you play the solo and then the bass player plays solo and then I play the solo and then the guitar guy plays solo it's so nice that, that, that we get to do stuff like that and then the drummer did something and this 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 is music this is cooperation this is friendship this is language yeah, this is communication sure This is another of Barr's original compositions called Water Drops. Everything you're hearing was done on a Viper and manipulated with pedals and software. I was running through some pentatonic scales and stuff, just you know, just messing around with, with my instrument and dreaming about some distortion and pedal effects and trying anything I could whenever I could. So I had, if I had like a guitar player friend, so I used to borrow their uh, equipment and mess with it myself uh, for hours. I remember that. <laughs> so at this point, did you have an electric violin by then? When I was 14. Uh, Yes and no. Um, there was an electric violin that I borrowed back in the day when I was 14. Then, when I was 15, I won this competition in my city and I got this prize money that I used to buy my first electric violin, mm. which was a, quite a shitty one. <laughs> um, yeah, that was, that was like... Uh, that was my first electric violin. But... Before that, when I was in middle school, uh, around like 13, something like that, and we had this punk rock band back in the day, and of course I didn't, I couldn't get anything like an electric violin or whatever. So I borrowed a viola from a friend of mine, a viola that was belonged to the middle school I went to because it was a school of arts. I I borrowed a viola for the um, for the range for the low range. So I could play some chords. And then another friend of mine, he made this, um, he took this tiny speaker um, mini amp that was inside the speaker, mm -hmm. like computer speakers. He somehow wired it into, um, into a jack thingy. I mounted it on the viola, I put this speaker thingy 
underneath the strings. So he made the speaker into a microphone element. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and awesome. That was that was my first pickup. That's awesome. <laughs> that was my first pickup. <laughs> it was a funny thing. Uh, yeah, I, I, of course I wrapped it with with a nice uh, band so it doesn't scratch the viola, and I put it behind the bridge underneath the strings. That was my first pickup, that, and I plugged it to an amp, and I was playing, uh, yeah, on the viola, playing some chords, doing punk music. Yay! That's that was awesome. the first, first ever... That is so punk, too. Just rip this computer speaker apart and just tape it to your instrument. Yeah, yeah. It's true, you know? Wow. That's so punk. Wow. Yeah, wow, now I'm going to think of it. It's, it's quite cool. <laughs> but yeah, I was fortunate to, to borrow this, again, very shitty electric violin, a shape of S, that you couldn't even get a chin wrist or not a chin wrist a shoulder wrist so I had to put a lot of like pin, tiny pillows on it um, I think I might have the video of me in middle school playing this Irish tune from Love of the Dance with this electric violin in one of our final concerts in school. oh please tell me how with, with some guys that I, I formed together as a band it, I should have it I should have it I need to, to look and find it I should have yeah, if you've got that, we'd totally have to share that. Yeah, man, that was, I, I think that was the first ever performance I've had with Electric Party. Yeah, true, yeah, that was. It felt so great. So great. Yeah. This is a cover of John Petrucci's Glasgow Kiss. One of the tunes that really rocked Barr when he first discovered rock and roll. stuff. Um, I had a band when I was in high school. We tried to play some stuff. We did eventually. Didn't last for long because <laughs> I was busy with classical music as well. So you're living in those two worlds simultaneously. Yeah, yeah. And that was tough. That was tough because I had a conflict. Like, what, I, what, what, should I, what should I do? Because I wanted to be a great player, but I didn't want to just do classical music I wanted to I wanted to enjoy as well but I knew that I have to keep with the classical if I'm going to be a great player if I want to have great abilities so I just tried to keep them together uh, simultaneously um, so in a lot of ways the classical music is sort of a means to an end I don't know you know I really don't know I can always I don't think I, I'm, I'm done with it it's just I don't do it much these days 
but a few weeks ago, for example, I had a classical performance in a church, and I played Pagani di Caprice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember seeing that video. Yeah, and some other pieces. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's there, the ability is there, the, the tools are there, I can always go back to some pieces or learn new pieces. I have the tools and I know how to practice stuff. It's just, it's basically up to me and what I want to do with my time. And right now I just feel like I want to invest my time for writing original music, making my own projects, um, creating stuff, getting inspired, learning techniques, if it's like playing techniques, techniques new playing techniques, or some sound effect techniques, or even using logic software techniques, how to use this, uh, mixing, mastering, whatever. Um, so that's that's about what's what's happening now. But back in the day, um, I remember that I was about to decide where I want to go and study abroad, and I got into Berkeley College of Music in Boston. Mm -hmm. And I also auditioned to Royal College of Music in London. And I had this conflict. Where should I go? What's going to happen? I just knew that I wanted to go to Berkeley, yes. But I, I was sure that if I'm going to Berkeley, I'm not going to do classical music at all. It's going to be tough and I might lose some of my abilities. And I was afraid, actually. So I decided to be a good boy. Go the right way, maybe. <laughs> and... Yeah, I went to work on music, I did classical music, performance, but I got so inspired. The facilities there are incredible. I met great people, I took amazing courses, you know, I had this electroacoustic music writing mm. course in my third year, uh, where I had to work with logic and create sounds out of scratches. And that's what that was the first time I ever experienced the logic software because okay. I was forced to work with it and then I you know I got inspired to do other things because I was like wow now I can actually produce my own stuff because I know how to mess up with this software more or less um, so that gave me this kind of boost to go and try my own stuff so when I made my first uh, crazy violin adventure when I made my first crazy violin adventure I did it in college I was sitting in our computer's room, doing everything in the Logic software, and just plugging my electric violin into it. And uh, so that's where those videos were shot, like the video that you submitted to the electric, to the uh, original violin challenge. Looked like it was in a computer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It, it was in college. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was from the time I was working on my Norway video. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, which 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 was in the same time of the competition um, yeah so um, the thing is I started using the facilities of the college because my teacher my violin teacher in college she told me Bar you pay quite a lot of money to be here use the facilities college has to offer to you sure. don't just go and practice at home it makes no sense and she was so right she was so right I, I was just keen to have and use anything I could that the college offered me. So I took um, jazz improvisation course with some other guys that studied with me and that was so interesting because 
we had many different instruments in the class improvising. Uh, there was a guy with a recorder, and he was oh, improvising wow. really cool stuff. And you know, it just opens your mind. Sure. So, so I just I fell in love with the experience in Royal College of Music because it opened my mind to possibilities, new possibilities, new horizons. It just you get you just get inspired. Um, what else I had there? I had this uh, music production course as like CD, like classical CD production, where you work as a team and you produce a classical CD. So you record someone, a student, in the concert hall, and then each person has its own role. So I was the um, I was the editor. I was the the music editor. So I I, I sat down in the studio. And I was working with this special program to edit the recordings, and I did the, the whole editing process. And someone else was working on doing the the sound setting with the mics and everything. Mm -hmm. That was so cool. That was really nice. Um, in my fourth year, I took jazz violin improvisation course, and I even had to play jazz recital in my fourth year. So I had both final recital in classical music and recital in jazz music. Was, that was just really nice. It was so different and cool. And I got all of this in a classical institution. Yeah, that's and, really surprising. Yeah. So, so many of them are, are more closed-minded than that. Yeah, but not very close of music. They're very open-minded. In my third year, I played one piece with my electric violin, with my Viper, using mm. my Viper. And I had a pianist and another guy with a synthesizer who was doing the drum beats and some other sounds and we put everything together and I played this tango rock concerto by Benjamin Yusupo. Yeah. And uh, I think it was the third movement where you use an electric violin with five strings and because I know the composer more, not much personally, but I have his number, I contacted him, he's Israeli I asked him some questions, what I can do, what I cannot do. He told me, you can do anything you want. So, because I asked him, can I use certain pedals, certain effects here and there? What can I improvise here? What do you want? He said, borrow anything you want. So I just used whatever I wanted there. <laughs> I brought really cool um, delay pedal. And at the beginning of this movement, you have some... Lissandro is going backwards. So you play like da na 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 na. So while I was doing this Lissandro um, backwards, I, I pressed my delay pedal and then it sounded like an alarm. Like, oh yeah. yeah. So because I have this, you know, experience of, well, maybe unfortunately, but of uh, war conflicts in the region. And I've heard some alarms in my life, so um, maybe that it came out of there. Well, probably it is. <laughs> um, but you know, it was a cool way to put something, experience, personal experience, into music. And then in the solo cadenza, I just did some crazy stuff with my other pedals, incorporating distortion with whammy, making it to sound like sitar. Um, coming up with some jazzy tunes, then rock stuff, and then more not conventional stuff. And it was lovely. Uh, it was quite a success successful thing.
the tango rock concert is the one you, you have to play classical violin, you have to dance, right? And then play electric violin? Yeah, that's true, that's true. But I didn't do the dancing movement. Mm. There is a whole movement which is just tango. You have dancing. to do the tango, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that's, it does, does not involve playing. So that's a bit like cheating. Imagine, <laughs> imagine me coming, coming to a final recital of third year, being like, yeah, the next piece, I'm not going to play, I'm just going to dance. <laughs> they weren't quite that open-minded, huh? Who knows, actually? Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, so it ended up quite, quite interesting and open, mind-opening um, experience being in the Royal College of Music. So now I'm just after it and I just want to do what I want to do, what makes me feel good, what makes me feel proud. And that's it. I want to be happy. Well, we've got a couple ideas, just you and I have been chatting about some stuff that may end up in the hopper, and you guys you guys may see some collaborations between me and Barr in the, in the future. We got, we got some stuff stirring, man. Oh, yeah. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be nice. This is a playful mashup of Paco Bell's Canon in D, Bittersweet Symphony, and Vivaldi's Spring. spaceships these days yeah no joke I had this thought in my mind but then I saw another video of another guy demonstrating some distortion stuff on a six strings um, fretted viper and that thing sounded nasty man wow wow it had it had balls in it like woof and I was blown away. I was like, whoa, I have to put my hands on one of these. And the sooner, the better. And since then, I was 16, I had this in my mind. I was going to get a Viper. I started looking out. Where is it from? How do I get it? How, does how much it costs? Um, I found a wood violins website on the internet I looked through everything I read about everything I was saying that I, I was checking the um, build your own page mm -hmm. trying to come up with, with nice combinations and somehow I don't know I, I, I just wanted to ask them some questions so they immediately 
mailed me brochures <laughs> to my house, and my mom, of course, she found she found out, and she was like, "What are you think you're doing? You you are looking into these electric guitars now? What is this supposed to be? You're playing violin? No, it's gonna it's not gonna happen. This is ridiculous, whatever." And these are not electric guitars, but okay, whatever, forget it. <laughs> so I just kept it to myself because I didn't want to, you know, get into arguments with my mom or my parents. I was just saving money. I was just saving, saving, saving. Whenever I got like pocket money for my grandmother, everything goes on the side. Um, whenever I flew abroad to play abroad in some projects, every money that I got for that, like pocket money to spend, Immediately half goes into my drawer, waiting for the Viper. Um, I was playing some events back then. Any money I earned went on the side. And it took me two years and a half to save the money and get a Viper. And eventually I got it when I was 19, yeah. Wow. So you, you wanted one and wanted one bad for a while. Yes. Oh my God, I remember myself listening to music that I liked back then and literally imagining me standing on stage playing everything on the Viper like literally that's awesome yeah and I was craving it like, like crazy and when it arrived I couldn't believe it felt like unreal I was like what? no I can't be really? <laughs> it, 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 it was as if I wasn't it was as it was a. It was as if I wasn't excited about it, but just like I don't know, something. I just couldn't believe. <laughs> but then I opened it, and it was so beautiful, and it sounded like I thought it's gonna sound, and it was like wow. And a friend of mine brought his huge, I think forty watts. Um, Fender amplifier, mm. hot rod, Fender hot rod. Oh yeah, yeah. Into my house, and I immediately plugged it into it, and I started shredding and doing stuff. And I remember the overtones that came out of some some vibrating tones. I was like, Yeah, oh my god! <laughs> I think I still have the, vi the video of that as well. That was your very first time pulling out a vibrator. Yeah, yeah. Here's Barr showing off some of his pyrotechnics on a Michael Jackson tune. Beat it. Guests <laughs> to 
see see the occasion. The person who didn't want you to have it. Yeah. And now now she yeah. Oh now she's a proud mother. You know I sent her this article that was uh, written about me, um, because because of the video I showed the crazy violin adventure video I showed in Croatia. Okay. Uh, so I showed in this amazing, beautiful na- national park that is regarded as UNESCO's World Heritage Site. Okay. So they have their own uh, news um, source in the internet. They call it the Plitvice News uh, because it's named after the Plitvice Lakes National Park. So they have this source, a news source, Plitvice, Plitvice News. And they made an article about my crazy van adventure. They put some pictures from it and they interviewed me. So I sent this to my mom to, to see and she told me I'm a proud mother. Awesome. I'm proud to be your mom. Yeah. Fantastic. So what made you think about the five string? Was it because you'd played the viola with the punk band and just knew that C was just, would open up a lot of worlds? Probably, probably. Um, like subconsciously, I, I, I did know that I wanted something drop, like a drop C, <laughs> like they say in, in guitar, or drop D, I don't know how they call it. Uh, I, I knew that I wanted something lower, lower range um, of sound for heavier stuff, or more like metal or rock, or something to, to be cooler than just four strings. I wanted to, to expand my options. And that's why I went for five strings. Yeah, I was just sitting here trying to think what my thought process was because it's it's been twenty years since I bought my first Viper. Really? And uh, I got a Viper when Mark was still making them. Back when he when you called the shop and he would answer the phone. Wow. Um, so I'm trying to remember what it was that made me want a five string the first time because I'd always been a four string. I mean, violinist or four string people, right? And. Uh, but I'm so glad I did. And now I'm thinking about a six string. It's just, just you always need to go lower, man. Yeah, that's the next thing. You need to get chunkier. Yeah, that's the next thing. It's gonna be the next level, the next lower level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Six strings, some alter tuning, frets. Yeah. There you go. So yeah, you got a chance to play a fretted viper for the first time, right, at the shop this week. Yes. And. um the, it's a whole. It's a very different experience than what you might think. Playing a fretted violin would be like the wood frets are so different. Yeah, um, but it wasn't that kind of big issue. It didn't feel that different. Yeah, they're different from playing most other fretted instruments. I you see. know, like playing a mandolin or even like an NS or a Zeta violin with frets. We'll have to get you on some of those. Yeah. Um, to play some of the different fretted violins. Um, the wood frets are very, very different. Yeah, they're like almost phantom. Yeah, you can you can just you can feel them if you're trying to feel them. Yeah. So the reason I didn't order a Viper with frets was back in the day. I thought like I don't need frets. I should know how to play in tune. I don't need frets to help me. Um, that's for kids. <laughs> Plus, it was more expensive. <laughs> yeah, I'd already been saving it for two and a half years, <laughs> which was the main reason. But uh, but still, but then I realized that it sounds a bit different, mm-hmm. especially with sliding and stuff, shiftings. So um, yeah, I th- I think we should definitely make 
a video comparison of um, different fretted instruments because I want to try some, some, some things maybe some left hand tapping and stuff like that and some shifting, sliding that could be interesting yeah, I would like to have to yeah. do that Here's Barr and his very talented sister Karen on the cello it's an acoustic cover of the Dire Straits tune, Romeo and Juliet. conversation man and we've been hanging for a couple days and we've got another couple days to go but uh, y'all don't get to enjoy all that it's just uh, just gonna be me and him but uh, thank you so much for doing this interview man this is I've been thinking about trying to get you for this podcast for a long time and then here you are sitting in my kitchen it's such I don't know even how to describe it it's such a huge pleasure and this occasion that I'm right here in your kitchen after we've been talking for so long on social media and here we are, right here together in the same place. It's, it's such, a, such a great pleasure for me and I feel so happy and so glad and so thankful to be here. And you're a great host. Oh, I love being here. We're glad so to have you. So, yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for everything. Thank you. so much for listening to another episode of Rockstar Violinist. It was a lot of fun to relive this interview I did way back in the summer with Barr. Be sure to check him out on social media or at barmarkovich.com. Also, please visit this episode's sponsor, Wood Violins, at woodviolins.com. And, as always, electricviolinshop.com. Enjoy a few more minutes of improv from Barr on the tune Sunny from Bobby Heap. And we'll see you next time with another rock star violinist. Mm -hmm.